Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we are talking about Minute 70, which begins with May calling the police, and it ends with Jesse in the yard looking for Sprague. Mm-hmm. So we immediately start this minute with the second half of the sentence that started yesterday with May on the phone talking to the police, asking for the dark one, and she follows that up with saying... And hurry it up, will you? It's May Swayze. I love that she name drops herself. Mm -hmm. She uses her own name recognition to get results faster. Right. And we know that she's, you know, recognized as a part of the community. You know, uh, Ziggy, you know, knows her well. And I just love that she uses that to her advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you definitely get the sense that May, while she doesn't run the town, like she's been a part of that area for so long that she is a staple of the community. Yes. Like... You get the sense that when she needs something, all she has to do is just send up a flag and people will jump to make it happen for her. Yes. I also wonder, so she's calling for the dark one. So she's probably calling MFP back at the headquarters. Mm -hmm. Which we don't need to talk again about how far reaching the MFP's influence is. Yeah, but I'm wondering how far reaching the community is. Mm -hmm. Because we don't know how far away May is from MFP headquarters, but it has to be close enough that they would know who she is. Yeah. Maybe, oh, I wonder if the MFP knows, not necessarily May Swayze as a person, but May Swayze as a relation to Max, mm-hmm. and know, and knows that that's where Max would go on vacation. Yeah. So if she calls MFP headquarters saying, this is May Swayze, send the dark one, that communicates to them yeah. the Be- severity and the urgency. Because in the original script, the Dark One is Max's partner. Yeah. So the Dark One would recognize the name May Swayze. And Probably. so if he gets a call over dispatch saying May Swayze called, she needs the Dark One to go up to the farm, the Dark One would say, oh, hey, that's the name that I know from working with Max all these years. Yeah. I'm going to go and help him out. Yes. That is what would happen were he still in the movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> I am really kind of curious about the character of the Dark One. Oh, yes. Because he was taken out in the editing phase. Well, editing of the script, not the editing in the movie. Yes. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm very curious about what type of character he would have been. Mm-hmm. I imagine him to be somebody, you know, strong, aggressive, with a history, you know? Mm-hmm. Perhaps there was a danger of him, like, outshining Max. Yeah. I think I think I'm always going to stand by the idea that having the dark one would have diminished from Max yeah. and Goose's relationship, but at the same time if he was the scuttle to Max's sarce, right, his partner, you know, or even it could have been the other way around. Max could have been the quiet driver type and the dark one could have been the dude that's on the radio and telling people to get off the road and whatnot. I mean, there's a dynamic there that you would have to establish and you would have to take time to establish it. Yes. And you would have to find someone with the ability to establish that character. Yes. And, and so... instead we take the time to establish the relationship between Max and Goose. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So we 
linger on Jesse recovering from her physical exertion. Yep, and all we see for quite see, some time. All we see in the first fourteen seconds of this movie is just her on the couch while May's on the phone in the other room, and we just hear her voice echoing down the hallway. Yes. So Jesse sits up and goes, "Sprog, what does she say? You have the so." Script. Jessie sits up suddenly and she says, Sprague, oh no. Yeah. Now, off mic, I have asked you to not let me go too hard on Jessie and Max about Sprague. Mm -hmm. But I just, I hope that she feels guilty about this, about forgetting about him. Mm -hmm. I think that when her own life was in danger, the thought of her child was nowhere near. That's not how motherhood is supposed to work. Or fatherhood. Max is certainly not blameless. Mm -hmm. They're equally responsible for that child. And neither of them gave him any thought at all and just left him sitting on the blanket. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about modern situations that we actively see. And it made me think of... Some parents feel very guilty whenever, you know, they make any mistakes with their children. And I'm not a parent myself, but I see it in society. And especially with things like you accidentally leave your child at a store. You forget that they were with you. You leave the child at the store. We get those classic stories like from the 80s of the kids now grown up remembering when they got left behind. And, you know, those are the type of things that they just happen. And... There's not much protection against it because we're human and we make mistakes. But then there's the kind of we're human and make mistakes that put your child's life in danger, like leaving your child in a hot car, which in the summer, we see it. Children die and parents get arrested and go to jail. And that is what I see. That is that is the comparison that I make to this situation. Mm-hmm. That child dies because they forgot about him. I hear what you're saying, but... Allow me to present a counterpoint. Okay. So, as far as Jesse and Max are concerned, the danger is confined to the woods. As far as they know. Because Jesse only has the information of there was someone following her in the woods. There were, you know, noises and figures chasing her. And now that she's out of the woods, that danger, according to her thinking before this minute... Has passed. Has stayed confined to the woods. Yes. When she gets to Max, she says the men, he says what men, blah, 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 takes Benno, goes into the woods because based on the information that he has, the danger is confined to the woods. And so that's where he needs to go. They're not thinking that the danger has the possibility of moving out of the woods. Based on what they've seen, what they've heard, their experience, they think that it's confined. Which is foolish. When Jesse sits up suddenly and says, Sprague, oh no, that's her realizing that the danger is not confined to the woods and that there's a very real possibility that they could have followed her out of the woods, even though by all assumptions, she thought they were right behind her. And so she probably thought initially, as soon as she came out of the woods, if they didn't immediately burst out of the woods after her, mm-hmm. that they would stay there. But having this opportunity to, for her to sit on the couch and let her adrenaline levels drop and kind of let her thinking return to a semi-normal state, she's starting to think more about the situation and realize, okay, this is probably not a confined danger. So the idea that Sprague is at the farmyard, Sprague is with Max or with May or by the car somewhere safe, 
now the idea pops in, oh, wait, maybe the farmyard isn't safe. Yeah. Maybe Sprague is not secure in the spot that she left them. And she's also remembering that when Max came out to meet her, he didn't have Sprague with him. So Sprague is still by the car, and Max is no longer there watching him because... Yeah, Max had his head in the uh, the engine working on it, but Max was also keeping an eye on Sprague playing on the blanket. Right. And so she's su- suddenly realizing, oh wait, it could be dangerous. No one's watching Sprague. I need to find him right now. Yeah. So I think it's more of a, it's not so much one parent leaving a child in a hot car. It's a parent leaving the child in a hot car with another parent heading into the store. And then as they're walking around the store, suddenly that other parent shows up. And, you know, this parent A is shopping and they probably don't think much of it. But then they get that sudden realization, wait, if you're here, who's, you know, with the baby type of thing. Yeah. I think it's less of a failing on Jesse specifically, more Max's fault for leaving Sprague alone. I definitely, I I definitely split the blame mm-hmm. that, yeah, that Max... I think what should have happened is I know they're all, I know that they're pretty loosey-goosey with Sprague. Right. We've, we've seen ample evidence of that through the movie. And it's just their parenting style. So, of course, the four adults gather in the spot in that field and they, they kind of decide what to do and split off. I think what should have happened was that Max should have sent Benno to Sprague mm-hmm. um, because Jesse needed to recover. Right. May needed to take care of Jesse. Benno, I think we mentioned it before, that he wasn't going to be much use in the woods. Mm-hmm. So I think that Benno should have gone to, to Sprague. I... And he easily could have just gathered him up, brought him inside. I still don't think Max should have gone into the woods. No, I don't think Max should have I gone think into the woods. It instead, was definitely a mistake. Instead of him going into the woods, he but should have he gone was... back with May and Jesse and gotten Sprague on the way back. Yes, but he was the last one responsible for Sprague. Yeah. And when he left him, he, it was his responsibility to make sure that he was replaced. That somebody else was now responsible for Sprague. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do that. Right. And... I do, I blame them equally because because they're both equal parents. So I definitely blame them equally, but it was Max's responsibility to replace himself as the adult, you know, being in at least some vicinity to Sprague. Yeah, I'm only willing to split it about 80-20. <laughs> okay. I'm not willing to, to say that Jesse is 50-50 responsible for Sprague in this moment. I think a lot of that responsibility was on Max. And the fact that Sprague is unattended when the bikies come to snatch him from his blanket mm-hmm. is on Max. Yeah. He made a very wrong decision and opened up his family to eventually what happens to them next week. Yeah. And where the heck is May? I mean, she's been charged with taking Jesse inside, but her head is clear. Well, see, May was never why, put in charge of watching Sprague. Why didn't May realize, hey, I have Jesse. She's a wreck. Max is going off into the woods. I'm going to swing by and grab Sprague. Like, where was her head? Well, see, May was never asked to watch after the baby. It you wasn't don't have to May's... be asked to watch after a baby. It wasn't if there's a May's baby around, you make sure the baby's not in danger. Yeah, but... It's May... a baby! Yeah, but May's first thought is not Sprague. When Sprague Why not? is out... It's a baby! I know. I, I fully <sighs> acknowledge that Sprague is a baby. I'm not disputing that fact. But when Max is with Sprague working on the car, May is off in the orchard reading a book. 
Like, May's responsibilities do not extend to Sprague. She's not responsible for everything that that child does. She's responsible for what Benno does. And so when Benno and Jesse run out of the woods... social responsibility. She knows. She has all of the adults in view. Mm. And she's the one right now with the mental capacity. The one thing she doesn't have is context. She doesn't understand what's going on because no one is telling her anything specific about what's going on. But she has the knowledge that... Something is happening in the woods? That... That Jesse is in a certain state, that she has been asked to make a phone call. Mm -hmm. I think that she should have, she knows where all the adults are. I think she should have grabbed Sprague on the way past. Yeah, I'm, I'm still unwilling to put anybody else on the chopping block besides Max. I'm willing to put everybody except Benno on the chopping block. Yeah. Uh, I've heard Benno described as kind of a Lenny from Mice and Men mm-hmm. type of situation, in which case he's probably not the best choice for interacting directly with Sprague. Like he, he, yeah, he, he doesn't have the mental capacity to he understand. He might not be delicate enough right. to, to handle an infant And you'll notice size. we haven't seen any pets on the farm like the like no small animals yeah like, like small no dogs yeah. or cats or anything like that yeah yeah i don't think so so he might not have the mental capacity to understand proper and improper behavior with proper application of strength in regards to gentle objects yes <laughs> yeah totally possible but i'm willing to blame everybody except Benno. okay you know what we should have done if we thought about it we should have discussed this with our friend last night who has two small children. Yeah. And what they think they might have done in a situation like that. But we also know that they are very, they very, they pay very close attention to, okay, who is currently responsible for the children? Mm-hmm. And when one parent needs to step away, they actively say, you are now responsible for this child. Yeah. I am leaving. So we know they're very careful about that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I give Jesse credit for as soon as Eventually she's Eventually able... remembering that okay. she has a child? She just ran... For, you know, three days of podcasting time. Mm -hmm. Like, she full-on sprinted out of the woods. Yeah. And her first coherent thought, once she's able to think again, Mm -hmm. her first thought is of Sprague. It's not good enough. It's not like she's sitting there and says, oh, cup of tea, that would be great. And, no, her first thought, once she's able to think, is, where is my baby? I don't think that's good enough. I think it is. I think it is. So that's just a point that we're going to have to disagree on. Absolutely. Yeah. So as soon as she realizes that no one is watching Sprague, she springs up from the couch, runs across the room, out the door, across the yard, to Sprague's blanket, to the last place that she realized he was. Yes. And this is an extremely difficult thing for Jesse to do because she just finished an adrenaline high Mm -hmm. and she was in the process of crashing and now she's doing it again. Yeah. So running out there again, when she could barely stand two seconds ago, she could barely stand and barely breathe. Now she has to do it all over again. So her body is just a wreck. Not having a good day. No. Uh, So yeah, she makes it to the blanket, sees that he's not there. I feel like she dedicates a lot of energy, which at this moment is surplus energy. So I get that, but she dedicates a lot of energy to calling out for him. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we go from her looking at the blanket to her calling out his name, and then we get like a wide shot of like the entire yard, Mm -hmm. and it's well over half a minute of her shouting out his name and moving around the farmyard, just without even a 
real plan, it seems, just kind of moving around, shouting out for this 18-month-year-old. Yeah, I ah, think... I said it again. 18-month-year-old. Yeah. 18-month-old. <laughs> you know... I question... I'm not going to have to deal with this kid too much longer, so I'm okay with oh that. Oh my gosh. Um, I question her calling out for him. He is too young to actually, like, talk. He might be old enough. I don't really know the timeline of kids. He might be old enough to have, like, said his first word or two. Mm -hmm. But he certainly doesn't, like, have the capacity to say, oh, I hear my name. I'm going to call out in response Mm -hmm. or even cry in response. Yeah. And if he doesn't feel like he's being mistreated, then he's not going to cry out of fear or anything. Right. Which I actually find it surprising that he doesn't um, because he's just been picked up by strangers. Yeah. Not, I mean, some kids are fine with strangers. Mm -hmm. Some kids are not. So obviously he's the type of kid who is fine with strangers. Yeah. Because he's not, not crying out. Yeah, and he's not a particularly mobile child either, and so... I think 18 months is too old. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's younger than that. I think he's he's big. Yeah, he never... He's just a large child. He never walks on his own. And so it kind of makes sense that she's looking around the back of the van and... Right. Kind of in that general area. She's still hoping that he just crawled under the car or something. Yeah. Crawled behind the tree after his ball. Because she doesn't, like, look very far away. No, no. Well, I mean, sometimes when it gets colder out, the toddlers, they'll crawl up in your wheel well. So when you go out in the morning, you got to yeah, you check pump your the horn a couple yeah. of times so that way they clear out before yeah. you start driving away. Yes. That might also be cats. I can't, I can never remember. Toddlers <laughs> and cats. I get them mixed up sometimes. Okay. So she makes her way over into more of, like, farmyard area rather than like grassy area mm-hmm. it's the thing yeah. yeah at least neither of us are talking now it's gonna be an easy one to edit out yes uh, and she spins around and we get the first two well wells yeah she gets to a point where she's walking on it's I'm set to... up funny like she's walking through like more of a work yard and she's yeah, like she... walking sideways she goes over by the car And she passes over in front of the farmhouse and she walks through a gate into kind of a side yard. And we hear a voice off camera say, well, well. Yep, it cuts off. We'll get our third well tomorrow. Every time she hears a well, she kind of spins to turn. And so she kind of does like two kind of half spins. Yes. Because she hears this voice coming from somewhere. She's like zeroing in on where it's coming from. Yeah. And like you said, we're going to find out who exactly this is. Yep. On Monday. On Monday. Because we've got the entire weekend to sit in suspense of, ooh, who is this? Yes. We all know who it is. It's Toe Cutter. Yeah. And it's no surprise. With this fabulous hair. Yeah. Which is extra fabulous in this scene. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about his his personal hairstyle in this next instance, <laughs> for sure. So, we're looking at the weekend of May 5th, 6th and 7th. It's, well, today is the 5th. Tomorrow is the 6th. The day after that is the 7th. Tonight we're doing something fun. Oh, yeah? Do you remember what it is? No. We're going to see Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Duh. Gosh. <laughs> Good thing I keep track of our calendar. I say, there's a reason I write so much down ahead of time. Yep. Like, I don't think I'll ever really show off the behind-the-scenes planning that I do, but suffice it to say, it's a lot of spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of documents. Yep. We know exactly when everything is happening. Mm-hmm. We've got a very meticulous schedule and whatnot. And, <laughs> and I don't think I'd, I'd be able to be as effective uh, if I didn't have that. 
Let's see. The nice thing about this weekend, aside from Guardians, is that I think by the 10th, we should be starting our actual recording of hiatus material. Oh, I can't wait. So I've been going back and forth about hiatus. We've got a great list so far of movies to pick from. Yes, we do. And I keep going back and forth on the idea of focusing this first hiatus on movies pulled from the actor filmographies from the main characters in this movie. I like that idea because most of these characters are gone. Right. Quite a few of them are dead. Like maybe not pull from Mel Gibson's filmography, but Right. But the people who are who are who are gone and will be missed. Mm -hmm. Like Steve Bisley, Joanne Samuel. Yeah, I like that idea. And, you know, we can supplement in with these other movies that people have suggested. It's just I have to remember, if we burn through our suggestions during the first hiatus, we've got... Well, there's no shortage of great Australian (laughs) films... You know, to go over during the hiatuses between each movie. There are plenty. When we start expanding criteria, we're going to get myriad more suggestions. Absolutely. Yes. So I think I definitely want to give a couple of those older TV shows a try. You know, Prisoner, Cell Block H, and Division 4. Especially Prisoner, because... uh, May Swayze, the actress's name? Yeah, Florence. Florence. She was on... Prisoner quite a bit. Yeah, she was one of the main characters. Yes, um, for a couple of years, I think. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think we should do like a smattering of episodes. Mm-hmm. Maybe like pick three episodes and we can talk about those over the course of an hour or something like that. Sheila Florence. Oh, Sheila Florence. Okay. Yeah. I felt bad not having her name instantly on the tip of my tongue. So I I'm to terrible with names, notes. so I usually look at you to remind me what their names are. So Yeah, yeah, that didn't yeah. work out. So that's, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Something to look forward to beyond the stuff we have coming up in the movie left that mm-hmm. I'm not looking forward to. No, it's, it gets pretty grimy. Yeah. For sure. So, you know what's not grimy, though? Our website. No, that it's people... pretty spiffy. Exactly. People can go check that out at madmaxminute.com. They can also follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute or like us on Facebook and join our listeners page, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. I'm very interested to hear what people have to say about parenting and taking care of your children and whatnot so definitely join us on beyond microphone for that thank you for joining us for mad max minute number 70 have a great weekend we'll see you on monday motorbikes and men take me to the end of the dream